Hey guys, welcome to Oversoju. I'm Kyung alongside Cho. In this episode, we invited Sean Sol to join us. A DJ for nearly 25 years, Sean's going to talk about how his stay in Korea helped reignite his love for the profession. The DJ scene's progression among Korean and expat communities, how he's coping during the pandemic through Twitch, and much more. We've got lots to uncork, so kick back and give it up for Sean Sol. Um, so, Sean, you are a DJ in Korea, correct? I am. Um, mm-hmm. I go under, usually go under the moniker Sean Soul. Sean Soul. But not S E O U L. S O U L. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, wait, do you do DJ Sean DJ Sean Soul? DJ Sean Soul. Yep. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's a little cool. tricky, actually, to get out. <laughs> I realized it. Yeah. You know what? I didn't realize how much it was to say until I had a uh, DJ on Twitch shout me out one day. He was like, DJ Sean, shush, shush, DJ Sean. Uh, I'm like, that's cool, man. No worries, no worries. Yeah. How'd you get that, by the way? To be honest, it started as DJ Soul. It's, mm-hmm. It literally started as DJ, just DJ Soul back in when I finally picked the name, had to be like maybe. Two, 1999 mm-hmm. or 2000 mm-hmm. and over the years it was always soul I mean when I go back to the states I still have people who just call me soul mm-hmm. and these are people who know me personally but they're right. always like hey what's up soul I'm like yeah, okay cool nice. and then <laughs> when I um, sometime around 2010 or 11 I left um, I was living in Atlanta at the time and I left Atlanta and moved and for some reason I wanted to go through this whole you know name change mm-hmm. progression mm-hmm, you know right. mm-hmm. um, maturing and I was like rethinking names and I was like well I've been invested in soul for so long I can't get rid of that but then I was like uh, maybe I'll just add my first name to it and mm-hmm. so that's nice. when Sean soul came about gotcha no it's also very catchy yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely oh well thank yeah. you thank <laughs> and, you and you know it's a good thing that it built on like not only like in the states but also in korea as a dj yeah, yeah. Right? when i first came here everybody would make flyers and they'd be like sean soul mm-hmm. s-e-o-u-l and they'd be like no <laughs> it's not that yeah it's that's so yeah. you know like it's so cliche no right, yeah. don't change it yeah, S-O-U-L. yeah. And they'd be like okay 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 <laughs> Well, I mean, like, t- I mean, speaking about uh, like your background as a DJ and how you um, and coming to Korea, um, can you tell us a little bit? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So, I guess when and where did you start as a DJ? Started as a DJ in DC. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, nice. It's yeah. well, that's questionable. Yeah. I was at I was uh, in the army at the time. Okay. I was in the army from '93 until '97, mm-hmm. and. Around 96, I've always been into music, though. I've always been a party goer, mm-hmm. was always into music in mm-hmm. my early college years mm-hmm. and just going out and listening to DJs. And I grew up in New York City, so mm-hmm. I grew up listening to fantastic DJs. Gotcha. Yeah. When I went to college, partied, got out of college, went in, uh, well, no, I partied my way out of college, <laughs> joined the army, got out of the army, and then it was, you know, what was next mm-hmm. when I was... Uh, a teenager, I was always into emceeing mm-hmm. and rhyme and rapping. Mm-hmm. That was my nice. thing. But mm-hmm. after the military, it was like, ah, I'm 23. That gotcha. ship has kind of sailed. Mm-hmm. And I gravitated toward the music and I became a, I started DJing. Okay. I say mm-hmm. I started DJing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That was 96. I had a roommate who had some turntables and a mixer. He had, you know, a few pieces of vinyl in mm-hmm. the room. And I would just go in there and play around. Mm-hmm. And when I left, when I got out of the army, um, I finished my time in the army. 
I went to South Carolina for a year and I worked with a DJ there, um, kind of like his uh, roadie, you know, helping oh, him out okay. with the crates yeah. and okay. setting up turntables and mm-hmm. equipment. And I would go to his house and, you know, play around on his stuff. Mm-hmm. In 98, I moved to Atlanta. Okay. And that was when I made the decision to buy all my own equipment, start investing in vinyl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm slowly getting my name out there and so i would say i say when people always ask me how long i've been djing i've been djing since 96 how long i've been you know getting work as a dj Mm Right. Somewhere around 99 or 2000. Okay. So, Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, watch the uh, the hand movement, oh. actually. Yeah. <laughs> These microphones are really sensitive. Super sensitive. As, you, gotcha. as you probably know. Yeah, being yeah, in the yeah. DJ These scene. are good. Yeah. Well, actually, um, did you want it to, like in the beginning, did you want it to be a profession or a hobby? No. When I started DJing, when mm-hmm. I actually um, first started I didn't know how far it would go. Okay. Back then, we kind of started DJing for the love of it all. Right. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm about to get paid. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, it was more for the love of the music and the craft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up listening to a whole lot of music, um, being right. from New York and listening to radio stations growing up. I went to college um, in, Mo- in uh, Baltimore at Morgan State. It was a big house music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, right down the road in D.C. was a big go-go scene. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I grew up listening to all of this music, and then finally it was just like, hey, I want to do something with it um, and have fun with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I didn't look at it as, you know, a let's get paid, let's get rich yeah. type thing, you mm. know. I was hoping for gigs, of course, but <laughs> I wasn't thinking, hey, I'm about to, you know, it wasn't a money thing mm-hmm. like I yeah. feel like it is a lot of times now. It wasn't, sure. it definitely wasn't a money thing. Well, actually, my apologies for calling it a hobby. I mean, no, it, was no. a, it was a part of your life. No. It's a part of your life. Yeah. That's, that's a better way to phrase it. But actually, yeah. you know, I don't, think there's anything wrong with initially calling it a hobby i think a lot of people get started Mm -hmm. in djing as a hobby and if it's something that they truly love then they invest the time in it and Mm -hmm. continue to push forward and the more you push forward the more doors open for you so i i don't you know i think that a lot of djs begin as it being a hobby Mm -hmm. and then somewhere along the line there's the goal of doing more with it yeah, exactly. I'm assuming in terms of investment, one of those would be the the financial investment that yes. you're putting into the equipment, mm-hmm. things like that. It is not a cheap hobby. <laughs> you know, it's exactly. well, I'll take that back. These days, I would say it's an affordable hobby to get into. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, it was certainly not an mm-hmm. affordable hobby to get into. Mm-hmm. Um if you're buying quality equipment, mm-hmm. if you're yes. buying quality equipment, at the time you were buying vinyl, whether they were singles or LPs, they mm-hmm. were easily six dollars mm-hmm. a record mm-hmm. back yes. then. Yeah. You know, it's not like going on Amazon or iTunes now and downloading a song for ninety nine cent or a dollar twenty nine. Back then, it was a six dollar investment for every record you were buying. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was a costly hobby. Yeah. These mm-hmm. days, you know, you can buy your controller for maybe 200 bucks, mm-hmm. download a bunch of music, mm-hmm. you know, rip it off of YouTube, yeah. do whatever. Yeah, yes. you can get involved in the game. But right. at that time, it was 
that was where my money went. Yeah. <laughs> I went to work to go buy records. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about you transitioning to uh, Korea and also your uh, how much you've been DJing in Korea so far. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like how you got started DJing? Uh, I guess right now you're living in Incheon, right? Right. Have cool. you always been in Incheon? I've been in Incheon since I got here. Oh, okay. okay. Right, cool. Right. So I got to Korea in 2014, and the funny part of it all is I didn't come to Korea to DJ at all. As a matter of fact, when I decided to come to Korea, I was leaving DJing behind. Oh, really? Okay. I was actually leaving DJing behind. Uh-huh. You know, after 14 or 15 years in the scene, it was just, especially in Atlanta, it was just like, ah, I'm tired of doing this. I didn't, again, going back to why I started DJing, I always started DJing for the love of the music. Mm-hmm. Right? I love to see people partying. But it became such a Hollywood thing, especially living in Atlanta. Hmm. You know, it was, you know, it's kind of dog eat dog in the the DJing community there. And, you know, just vying to be in the places and spaces that you want to be in to actually DJ. Mm -hmm. In short, I was leaving DJing behind. I see. And um, when I came here, um, I just got into the regular flow of things and... As with anything you actually love, you begin to miss it. And so what I did first was invested in a controller myself because mm-hmm. it was just easy. I didn't bring any turntables with me. I didn't bring any records. Yeah, I was going to ask me. you, did you bring any of your equipment? Yeah. Nah, <laughs> oh, the only thing I brought with me at that time was my laptop. And by then, by 2014, when I arrived, I had gone digital already. Okay. Okay. So I was already on a digital platform even mm-hmm. before I left the States. Yeah. So when I got here, I was like, well, I kind of want to just fiddle around with it, you know, mm-hmm. have some fun. You mm-hmm. know, keep my skills up to, you know, mm-hmm. up to snuff. And mm-hmm. I went to uh, DJ Korea and bought a controller. Okay. And so, you know, I would just be in my room, literally just playing and mm-hmm. just having fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, people would ask me, you know, well, what did you do before you came to Korea? And so I'd tell them I used to DJ. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, yeah, I definitely heard that. <laughs> um, it's all right. <laughs> what happened was uh, I was at a local, one of our little local bars in Bupyong mm-hmm. uh, called Cheap Shots. Oh, I know Bupyong. Yeah, my cousin lives in Bupyong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm clear, fairly close to Bupyong. At the time, I was living maybe 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. You know, Incheon is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I was at a small bar in, in uh, Bupyong, and the owner asked me if I'd like to come and play. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Oh, that's not? cool. And so yeah. that was really my start of DJing anything here mm-hmm. okay. um, was uh, Cheap Shots. Um now, but the owner, I mean, so I'm assuming he knew of your background as a DJ. And that's just why through he... conversation. It mm. was the local watering hole, uh, you know, okay. for mm-hmm. a lot of English teachers mm-hmm. and things of that nature. So we talk and he'd be like, oh, you used to DJ? Want to come play a set or two? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And so I would go there maybe once a month, maybe once every two months, mm-hmm. just play a little bit. And that was kind of my start. That opened me up to, you know, de- even the idea of DJing again. Mm. And how would you how would you describe your first experience as DJ in Korea? For me, it was different because I was playing from different audiences than what I played for in Atlanta mm-hmm. and you know when I lived in Austin. Um, whole new group of people. Now, Cheap Shots was largely a foreigner centric 
okay. kind of bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a lot of English teachers from different places, mm-hmm. you know, love of different music. So when you walk into these environments, you're kind of like, you're looking at a, a different room, a different space, a different group of people, and you're like, hmm, what do they want to hear? Yeah. yeah. You know? And so usually when you walk into spaces like that, you kind of start off just playing the generics. You know, mm-hmm. you play the stuff that everybody knows. Like pop, top 40 or something? Top 40 yeah, okay. for the most part. The thing is, for me, just not a huge fan of just playing top 40. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it was a cool experience. Mm-hmm. You know, again, getting my feet wet in another country, you know, Same. it's like, hey, I didn't expect to be doing this, but it's cool. Did you originally intend to retire from that? From DJing? Yeah. When I started? Mm-hmm. Um, You mean when I left it? Yeah, when you came to Korea, were you like, all right, you know, I'm leaving this behind for good. I wouldn't say I was leaving it behind for good, but uh-huh. I definitely needed a break okay. from what it was in the sure. States. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. How would you, I guess, compare the experiences of DJing in Korea versus DJing in America? Oh, now that for me is a really good question. And honestly, if I ever leave Korea, I'm going to miss DJing here. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, For a number of reasons. For... What I like to do with music, Mm -hmm. I have received a huge amount of acceptance Mm -hmm. in Korea. Mm -hmm. The spaces that I've played, um, there's just been an overwhelming amount of love. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I find that a lot of spaces in America, not all, there's some very good places in America, but I find that in the States right now, there's just everything is the same. You know, mm-hmm. no matter what club you go to between 12 p.m. or 2 p.m., well, I won't say no matter, no, you know, it doesn't matter. It does definitely does matter. The space matters. But a lot of your famous clubs, mm-hmm. 12 p.m. to 2, 12 a.m., midnight until 2 a.m. in the morning, mm-hmm. you're going to hear the same music. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear the same music. Yeah. Um, and it just, for me, it wasn't exciting anymore. But Korea... The spaces that I've been in in Korea have allowed me to play some really fantastic music. Can you talk about some of the spaces you play that? Absolutely. So when I, you know, again, I talked about Cheap Shots early, which was more top 40, you know, even some old mm-hmm. stuff, you know, 80s, but again, more generic stuff. Yeah. I'm assuming your audience, and sorry to cut you off, but I'm assuming your audience was, since they were English teachers, we're talking maybe like some 20 to 35-year-olds, exactly. like coming from North America, UK, Australia, maybe. Canada, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay. Um, what happened was I went to the next place I played was a small spot in Hongdae. It was called The Vault. Okay. It was, and I didn't even go there to start DJing. I've, I've had all of these crazy instances of how I start DJing in certain places. I went to The Vault because it was one of those escape room places. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> it, was literally, literally, it was an escape room place, and the owner uh, was a guy named Hugh. And Hugh is a, a, a guy from the UK. He's Welsh, and... Um, He's a really great dude. And so he loved music. Like, he mm-hmm. loved, but he loved the kind of music I loved. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about disco and Northern Soul and house. And, you know, we would talk about all of this music. And one day he was like, hey, you want to come play mm-hmm. here? And I was like, sure, I'll mm-hmm. come play. And so I started playing with Hugh for a while, um, just going there to have a little bit of fun, play some music. And that was, you know, that was a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, 
eventually... Wait, so the, to go back to that, yeah. I mean, you were DJing at this place called The Vault, which is an escape room? Yeah, so it was an es- <laughs> it was kind of like an escape room by day and then at night he would... It turns kinda, into like a bar He would kind of do different things and invite people and in you, and kind of turn it into a bar. Any chance that you played any background music for the escapees? No, no. <laughs> that would have been no. so cool. We should have. Yeah, no, no, no. We didn't do... He, he literally... It was weird. He had the hours that he would do the escape room thing and then he would you know kind of open up and do mm-hmm. different private events and mm-hmm. parties and things like that mm-hmm. um later on in the evening sure. and so yeah played there for a while and then eventually he ended up going out of business and mm-hmm. um moving back to the uk and what happened for maybe two or three months there was nothing going on mm-hmm. i remember this was like maybe the beginning of 2016 maybe Three months later, I had a call from a young lady, not a call, we met on Facebook, and she wanted to do an event. It was, it was like an old school event. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, we need a venue. And so, <laughs> it's funny I say that. We needed a venue, literally, to do this event. And so, I started looking around, and I was you know, kind of going through Facebook, looking for places that kind of catered to what we wanted to do with the old school. Mm-hmm. And there was a club. Um, bar in Itaewon called Venue. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I know that place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's called Venue. So I reached out to the owner of Venue, who was uh, who is who was uh, Ria Kim. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I reached reached mm-hmm. out to Ria, and you know she didn't know who I was. She was like, "Well, can you send me a demo?" So I sent mm-hmm. her a demo, and she messaged me back, and she loved it. And we sat, we met, and sat down and talked about doing an event there. So we went mm-hmm. and did the event there. And it was after that event that she called me back to be a regular. Yeah, I've met Rhea Kim a couple of times. She's a really nice girl. Unfortunately, she shut down venue. Honestly, though, probably at the right time. Yeah, that's true. She... It probably was the best thing for her to do at that time, considering what we're dealing with now. Yeah. You know? Um, So, yeah, venue shut down, uh, what, 2018, 2019? I think it was last year. Yeah, last Uh, year. Maybe 2019. I had had dinner with her at one point, and she was telling me that she had been running venue for like 10 to 15 years. It was was like 10. It was like, because I think her last anniversary, I think she made it to like 10 years. Yeah. Not a 10 years, somewhere in there. And... Um, I started playing it. I started playing it on Friday nights, a few Saturday nights, and it was just, it was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Venue was an amazing experience. Yeah. Venue reminded me of some of our best spaces in the States. So, I mean, you had mentioned before that uh, when you were first starting off in Korea, you're kind of doing the generic top 40 stuff. At Venue, I'm assuming you were able to kind of expand Absolutely. your content. So, like, what were some, what were some of the more, I guess, unique genres that you get to you well, got to play the beauty of Rhea is that Rhea loves she's we're all in the same age category mm-hmm. and Rhea loves old school she loves mm-hmm. classic R&B classic soul mm-hmm. disco you know good like I don't want to say good music because you know that's subjective but mm-hmm. she we enjoy the same type of music so going there I knew exactly what she wanted mm-hmm. and that was right up my alley mm-hmm. um, and it was you know it was my lane you know to play you know soul to play R&B mm-hmm. you know to to play some disco mm-hmm. and you know up-tempo classic records and so it worked out well and yeah. um the crowd there and this is where it goes back where i go back to talking about being received in korea mm-hmm. the crowd there was just amazing the audience at venue 
was always amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, the type of people who came there wanted to hear what venue DJs were playing. Yeah, I've noticed that. Whenever whenever I went there, these people, they were really hardcore into the music. Now, every, you know... Every so often, you'll get the 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 person who's never been there before, who kind of strolls in. That was me. And they're like, <laughs> "Why are you guys playing old school? Yeah. We don't want to hear this and yeah. blah blah blah." And I'm like, "You got to read the room. This yeah. is what we do here. Yeah, you know." And that is exactly what it was for for her space. Yeah. You know, she didn't like to she didn't like for DJs to kind of get too far mm-hmm. outside of that realm. Mm-hmm. You know, a yeah. lot of the current music that we that is you know on the radio now. That wasn't her lane, mm-hmm. and that is what I loved about Venue and what I loved about her. Mm-hmm. I, I will say I was one of those guys when I first walked into Venue. When I first walked in, I was just thinking, what the fuck? Hey, <laughs> yeah, there's all this old school music in disco. Hey, what's going on, man? Yo, play some little baby. Play some young thug. Right? By the way, at that time, I mean, um, the DJ culture scene in Korea, is it's still a little new. In- I actually... The DJ culture here is quite interesting because, again, Mm -hmm. there's lanes. Mm -hmm. There's lanes for all of this. And you have your your old school hip-hop DJs, but they they are not as prevalent, I think, as some of the DJs who play more popular Mm -hmm. music. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Jay Uche, one of the... uh, first DJs in Korea to actually play hip-hop in clubs. You know, I've played with him. And, you know, this is not... The old-school hip-hop thing is not something you see mm-hmm. amongst a lot of the DJs. They really want to play the more popular clubs, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the more popular music. But mm-hmm. DJs who really get down and play a lot of classics and uh, right. play a lot of music across genres... I would say they're kind of, well, at least in my experience, they're kind of few and far in between. Mm-hmm. So um, so then would it be fair to say that when you're starting getting into the realms of like those large scale, like mega clubs, that that, I guess, that scene, it would be most comparable to the same type of scenario in the U.S.? Absolutely. Okay. And it's a, um, to be honest, that's not a scene I'm part of. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the big clubs, mm-hmm. the, you know, the mega clubs mm-hmm. and the DJs, um, they are definitely more Korean centric. Mm-hmm. And though that particular circle is mostly Korean DJs. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, for myself being a foreigner, the circle that I exist in is a little bit more diverse. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, we come from a background all of us come from backgrounds of strong backgrounds of music not just the you know the popular stuff you know even like uh like lino you Mm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. like yeah uh yeah one of our good friends is also a dj Lino, um you know he has like i've gone to we we kind of exist in these underground spaces Mm -hmm. underground spaces dive bars you know places Mm -hmm. like that that's where we're most comfortable playing yeah i think uh, the last time I hung out with Lino, um, he took me to this bar in Hapjung, and I had no, and I lived near Hapjung, and he took me to this kind of it was kind of like this underground DJ bar. Um, I say underground in terms of like 
I guess like true music aficionados would go there. And I when on the outside of it, for me not knowing that, I just thought, oh, it's just another bar. Can we can we say names? Oh, well, we already said yeah, 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 yeah. So what bar was this? If you mind me asking. To be honest, I don't remember the name of the bar. So there's two. There are two in Hopjong that okay. bring to mind that mm-hmm. um come to mind. One is Brown. Okay. And I don't know if he took you to Brown. The other one is Macaroni Funky Club. I know Brown. I've never been in there, but I've always passed by it. Uh, because I'm a little, I guess, I'm a little too old to go to clubs these days. <laughs> yeah. But I've always passed by it on the weekend. I see there's a t- like a huge crowd of people outside of it. The mm. other one, I do not know. I've never heard that one. So I'm wondering if he, if Lino took you to Macaroni Funky Club. It could be that one. Um, Macaroni Funky Club is literally across the street from Brown. And it's a spot that I, um, I've had the opportunity to play at. And it's, again, mm-hmm. one of the most amazing places that I've had a chance to yeah. play at because of the music mm-hmm. and the, the reception from the audience. Mm-hmm. Like, they right. just love it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, do you see, um, like, in, in the community, in the circle that you identify with, uh, do you see any variants of um, the Western DJ scene and also kind of like the, you know, Korean traditional music? Or like for for let's say the post-war Korean genres of trot, trot or you know pop. I can't say I've seen much of that uh-huh. amongst you know our circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure it exists. Um, I think that a lot of that music has maybe been confined to some of the more like the LP bars yeah. and things like that. So you'll walk in and you'll see loads of LPs on the wall. And so mm-hmm. maybe they come out, you know, the owners kind of pull them out or play sure. them, mm-hmm. you know, when they when they want to. But I wouldn't say that it's largely played in our spaces. Mm-hmm. I see. Sure. In terms of the DJs that you find here in Korea, um, well, starting with just the Korean DJs, um, are there any, I guess, big names that you would be able to relate to in terms of the style of music that you prefer to play? I know you mentioned one, um, J... J-U, yeah, so there's J-U. Yeah. Um, now, when you say big names, um, not that I know of, mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. Um I know that in our circle, there are, you know, of course, J.U., Tom Slick, Lino, mm-hmm. um, DJ Carrot Mick, mm-hmm. uh, DJ Raw. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. to me, these are, you know, these are these are great DJs, but I don't know if the masses in Korea would consider them big names, mm-hmm. right. you know, because of the spaces we play in. Mm-hmm. Usually underground DJs, anywhere you go, mm-hmm. anywhere you go in the States, here, any other country, underground DJs or DJs who don't exist only in the realm of pop music are usually not huge names. It mm-hmm. depends. Mm-hmm. If they've built their legacy on being that type of DJ, then yeah, you might know them. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, they're fairly small in scale, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people may not know who they are, mm-hmm. you know. It just, just kind of goes with the territory. Mm-hmm. You know, the DJs who... Um, in the States who are big names, who are known for playing wide varieties of music, you know, they've had they've had decade long legacies. They've usually been a part of hip hop groups or or uh, radio mm-hmm. or, you know, Kid Capri, Jazzy Jeff, DJ Scratch, yes. uh, DJ JC. These are all big name DJs, but they've also been big name mm-hmm. DJs because they've worked with hip hop artists and you know, played 
globally, mm-hmm. you know, and traveled globally. And so more people know about them. But I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that the hue that the underground DJ is a largely known DJ mm-hmm. in general. If you had the opportunity to play at one of those like large mega clubs in Korea, would you do it? Honestly, I'm not really a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm not really a fan. It it really is not my lane. And I mm-hmm. think lanes are important for people. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of there's a lot of argument amongst the DJ community about what DJ should do. Oh, if you're not playing multiple genres, you know, you're missing opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, so on and so forth. But I kind of disagree with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with lanes. I know some great DJs who are house music DJs, mm-hmm. and they are known for what they do in the house music scene. Basically, they, they find their niche they, and they do it well. Exactly. Yeah. You find your niche and you do it well. Yeah. Yes. And there's a, to me, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, can I play a wide range of music? Can I dibble and dabble yeah. in other genres? Absolutely. But there's just some areas that I'm not truly a fan of. Like, I don't feel at home playing in those areas. I feel like it's forced for me, Mm -hmm. you know, and whereas some people would say, you know, know, it's a great opportunity. That's okay, I guess, if that's why you're doing what you're doing. I see. So, like, let's say in in one venue, um, like, you were performing, but did you feel that rift between, like, let's say, Korean patrons and like expat patrons where you had to like switch between the genres? Not, you know what? Uh So for example, when I played at Venue, the people who came to Venue they knew what they were going to get and they were fans of it. Like, mm-hmm. these are these are fans mm-hmm. of yeah. music. These are the type of fans, people who, you know, this was always an amazing thing to me. I could play records from the 60s and 70s in Venue that the the audience may have never heard but they were still just like they were kind of just they just loved it right. even if they didn't know the record you know they take out their phone and shazam it like <laughs> i gotta put this in my collection yeah. like they loved that type sure. of music yeah. um and in venue there were foreigners there were koreans and and not just you know your typical you know expat foreigners who are here to uh, teach English. You know, right. we had foreigners from uh, different places in Europe, foreigners from different places in Africa, mm-hmm. you know, that, that would just really come and have a great time listening to some of this music that they may have not ever heard before, but it simply made them move. It made mm-hmm. them dance. Mm-hmm. Right. And everybody got along and it was great. Uh, even some of the other places I've played with, um, following venue, um, I played at in, uh, Hustle Itaewon. Yes. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with Hustle. Hustle I've seen is, the I've seen that place, but I've never been inside of it. Yeah, yeah. So play at Hustle. Hustle also we play kind of a wide variety of music, but definitely more popular music. Mm-hmm. But even in those spaces, everybody kind of gets along well. Mm-hmm. You know, the foreign uh, the foreign population, the foreign customers, the Korean yes. customers. Everybody comes in, kind of mm-hmm. gets along well. Same thing at Living Room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Living Room is a very diverse place, very diverse yeah. spot. Everybody kind of comes in and gets along. But you kind of get a feel for what people's taste in music is just by kind of watching the room. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that there are certain like the young Korean audience, they do prefer more of the, you know, the pop hits, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's okay. So we kind of 
mix a little bit of that in mm-hmm. and then we'll sometimes we'll get the the old school crowd that wants to hear some more of the you know some of the older classics 80s right. 70s music and we'll mm-hmm. kind of mix that in so some of those spaces are still good spaces right. even though we're playing a mix mm-hmm. of music mm-hmm. so this is a bit of a side question but i've always sure. wondered um for a dj would he get uh, would a dj get irritated if he got hired for a gig to uh to play music but in a scenario in like uh, a place where it's clearly that the the music's not for dancing, but it's just kind of background music while people are just having drinks and having conversation. So I've always wondered, like, I mean, a, a DJ, obviously a DJ has a passion for music, wants to see and probably wants to see people dancing to their music. Um, I feel like part of that is in the communication between the owner and the DJ okay. or the promoter and the DJ. If that is what you want for the DJ to do, and the DJ agrees to that, Mm -hmm. then he should be able to accept that Mm -hmm. that's what the room requires at the time. Mm -hmm. If you hire me, if you you call me and say, Sean, I want you to come play, but just play some background music, play, you know, ambient music, Mm -hmm. play jazz, play something light. We don't really want people dancing. And I say, okay. Mm -hmm. And I show up and then I get (laughs) mad because people are not actually (laughs) dancing when you didn't want that in the first place. That's on me. You know, that's on me. I think you have to know, DJs have to ask the questions, Mm -hmm. you know, before they walk into certain rooms. You got to ask, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. I, I ask people all the time, you know, they're like, hey, would you like playing? And I'm like, well, what exactly do you want me to play? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if you tell me you want me to come play at some big mega club and I and you ask me what, you know, I ask you what you want me to play and you tell me and mm-hmm. I agree to it, then I got to go do that. Can you explain the importance of the the decor, the decor, um, like the venue in general, like uh, the atmosphere, the overall atmosphere and also... Um, should I say this, like the importance of observation, observing the crowd that you're working. Every place that I've played or had the opportunity to play, not just here, but abroad, mm-hmm. it, it really, the decor definitely matches the music a lot of times. Right. When you play in underground spaces, it looks like an underground space. <laughs> you know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, some are nicer than the others. Um, venue put a lot of time into making their place a comfortable space while at the same time keeping it sort of underground. Mm-hmm. You know, when you walk into a place like living room, it looks like a living room. It's cozy. Mm. You know, there are the couches around. Yeah. You know, it's just a nice atmosphere. Uh, hustle. Um, is more of a, it's a bar, lounge type space. So, you know, you get the hookah vibe and, you know, there's hookah there and mm-hmm. different things that kind of match the, the you know, they don't want to look too underground, but it's comfortable. It's a comfortable space. It looks nice. And so when you go in, even when you go into the mega clubs, mega clubs look like, you know, you're going to spend a lot of money there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it matches the vibe of the spot, you know, nice couches and, you know, maybe or furniture that looks expensive, mm-hmm. things like that. And usually in those spaces, the music is pretty much, you know, top 40. Mm-hmm, right. You know, when you go into those mega places, those mega bars, the music is usually top 40. It's made for people to spend money, um, drinks or hookah or whatever mm-hmm, you're doing, right. buying sections mm-hmm. and lounges and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when you walk into, again, when you walk into place like living room or venue, it's, it's made for, you know, the average person that 
just wants to go out and have a good time, but they're not right. concerned with, you know, the the lights and the cameras and the flashy mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So they don't the care about keeping up appearances. Exactly. Yeah. The decor, mm-hmm. def- I think it matters more mm-hmm. for the owners, necess- you know, so to speak, but um, it can also matter for the customers as well. Mm-hmm. I do know that uh, some of the clubs I've been to in Korea, I've only been to maybe a handful of one of the like some of the mega clubs, and I know they they kind of section it off. So they have the house section, then they have the hip hop section. Actually, I think those are the only two sections. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think with Korea is interesting like that because you do have people who are more into EDM, mm-hmm. electronic dance music, house, and then you have the section that is more into, you know, hip-hop and trap mm-hmm. and right. music like that. And it's really, like, it really is a maybe 50-50, especially amongst young people, what they want to listen to. Some really enjoy EDM. Mm-hmm. Yes. Some really enjoy, like, the hip-hop, you know, you know, the trap. Not really, like, old school or, mm-hmm. you know, deep hip-hop, but just more of the current top 40 hip-hop mm-hmm. hits, you mm-hmm. know. They want to hear those records. Right. Aside from Korea and, and uh, the the U.S., have you DJed in other countries as well? No, okay. only only in the states and Korea. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Because I'm very curious to know what would be, especially within Asia, because I I went to Japan um, many times actually, and I remember one time um, I went to this bar in Tokyo, and the it was kind of like a venue type bar. And I noticed that, the, well, first of all, I noticed that the DJ, the DJ was probably in his 50s or something, and noticeably so. And I was thinking, you would not see that at a club in Korea. This could take a, so this question in particular could, I, I, I want to phrase it in a way that it doesn't offend people, mm-hmm. but I'm going to tell you my okay. honest opinion. Mm-hmm. I love Japan for that reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Japan. My first, um, not experience, but my first understanding of Japan with music came in the 90s. I was watching an episode of Yo! MTV Raps, and Fab Five Freddy, who was the host at the time, went to Japan Mm -hmm. to check out the hip-hop scene in Japan, and I was floored. Mm -hmm. I was totally floored by how deep into the music the Japanese culture Mm -hmm. is. They not just hip hop. Mm-hmm. They love all things classic hip hop, but they love all things reggae as well. Nice. Like their their appreciation of music in Japan is not surface. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They get really deep into the music. Their DJs are some of the best DJs in the world. Yeah, from what I know, I mean, what I know about music in Asia, Japan always seems to be the outlier. They just they know their stuff. They yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, Japanese DJs have a love for hip hop culture, R and B and disco culture. Like it's a it's a real love. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been to um, uh, it was uh, 2016 or 2017. I went to a house music event mm-hmm. um, in Tokyo that was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. It was amazing, um, and. I just, you know, I was floored by the people just dancing. It was, it, the culture of it all was yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Right. And I mean, not to knock that guy, because I said, you know, he looked immediately, I noticed that he was old. But I was thinking, um, because he was older, 
and I guess not looking like the typical DJ that you might find in other parts of Asia. I was yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah. wow, this dude must be really good then. They, yeah. they, you know, they take the culture seriously and they're kind of, I don't want to really call them a gatekeeper, but they kind of mm. are. Like mm-hmm. those guys, you know, they enjoy long careers because, you know, of the music appreciation and people are there for the music. They're not there for the looks, mm-hmm. right. you know, a older DJ in this, in, in Korea is probably not going to be playing these mega venues. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Very few. Yeah. Or at least they got to look really, really young. <laughs> you know what I mean? They got to look really, really young. But older dudes, they're going to like, ah, who's this guy? You know, they want the, the look of the DJ to match the look of the room. I guess it's deeper music. It's it more variety. Yeah. It's like, you know, more... Uh, you say like eclectic style absolutely 100 percent. i love it i if i had my opportunity to dj anywhere in asia it would definitely be japan yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um so kind of going back to korea and also kind of the the business side of it um the kind of path that you took to kind of uh kind of rebuild your dj career in korea um, would you say that is, I'm assuming, not the typical path that a DJ, especially an expat DJ, would take? I think it depends on your goals. Mm-hmm. So, again, when I came, I was kind of over DJing, at least at the time. Yeah. Since then, I've kind of just taken it all as it comes. Mm-hmm. You know, for the younger DJs, you know, the you know that are more aggressive with it. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're gonna be able to break into the scene a little bit more. They're more active in finding mm-hmm. gigs. I have grown to the point where I want the kind of rooms that suit me best. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, it's kind of like just kind of waiting until it comes to you sometimes Mm -hmm. or just going to different places and meeting the type of people that you want to work with and play with. And also the people who love what you do will also seek you out. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I played venue. And so people who knew that I was capable of playing those types of rooms sought me out, you mm-hmm, know, it's nice. how I got involved in playing at Living sure. Room, how I got involved in playing at Macaroni Funky Club, mm-hmm. you right. know, um, when uh, Sun and Deck uh, in um, Itaewon was open, um, I got sought out to play there because they knew what I was capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So this goes back to your lane, you know, there's nothing wrong with sticking to your lane because people who know what you're capable of doing will seek you out to do just right. that. Mm-hmm. And that's how you, that's how, sorry, that's how you like built your connection. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It's, it's, it, you know, it can be a slow process. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in it for the love of the music, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in it for kind of the fame, the fame of it all, you you know you know the fame and the glory mm-hmm. of it all. You you know you may be a little bit more aggressive in how you yeah. get out there. You know you may spend more time putting out mixes and you know building your brand, which mm-hmm. is still important as a yeah. DJ. You mm-hmm. know, but you're gonna do those things a lot more. And you know that's something that I admire about the younger DJs mm-hmm. is they do they brand they try to brand themselves very well, mm-hmm. which is good. Um, they'll get into the rooms and the spaces that they need to get into. Mm-hmm. So you know? it's, is oh. it fair to say that, um, uh, I guess, uh, once you start, I guess, building up your network and making those connections, um, is that um, is that that progress within your career um, 
I guess the method, is that similar how it would also be done in the States as well? It wouldn't. It okay. would. Right. You know, the rooms in the and this is something that I wish I would have paid a t- more attention to when I was younger. You know, the more you DJ and the more people know what you're capable of doing, the more invites you will get. Every invite isn't necessarily a good invite, though. Hmm. You know, people will know that you may be a good DJ. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they want to book you. But maybe you're not a good DJ for what they're looking for. Oh. You know, and I think in my early days as a DJ, I fell into a lot of that in Atlanta. There was a certain space, there were certain spaces and rooms that I really wanted to be in, mm-hmm. but I was getting offers from other spaces that were just, huh, okay, I'll do it, but this is not really where I want to be. Where I really want to be is over there. Mm-hmm. I really want to be playing this underground club yep. and with these people, but instead I'm playing this kind of upscale <laughs> bar and, you know, about 12 a.m. I got to start playing all the top 40 stuff because mm-hmm. that's what they want to hear. Yep. So I was in those spaces while also wanting to be, while secretly wanting to be in mm-hmm. other spaces, okay. you know? And so choosing your lane is, I think it's important wherever you go. Yeah. Right. Now, speaking about those lanes, um, talking about those kind of generic top 40 clubs, I would imagine um, very on, on the superficial uh, level that anyone, like any DJ at a minimum level could do it. But obviously there's there's more layers to it. So my question is, you know, what for those types of clubs, and then I'll ask about like kind of the niche that you're in, but first for those types of top 40 clubs, what what makes uh, a DJ stand out from the rest if like if their content is just simply top 40? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now that is a really good, you know, <laughs> honestly, that's a really good question. I'm because, sorry I did not send that to you before. No, 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 yeah. that's okay though. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I would say? In this day and age, I think the only difference is marketing. Really? I really think that the main difference is how you brand yourself. You know, I've heard a lot of DJs, not saying that these these the younger DJs don't have any skills. Mm-hmm. They Some of them really do have skills. Yep. But again, um, from DJ to DJ, is there really that much difference in what you're doing? Right. Yeah. You know, so what would make this guy stand out over this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, um, what would make this this girl stand out over that girl? You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of it is branding and a lot of it is what you can sell. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of a dangerous area to go into is we see the emergence now of more women in the DJing field. I was going to mm-hmm. ask you about that, yeah. Yeah. I know some really good DJs who are women. Mm-hmm. I also know some DJs who are women who are there in those spaces just because they are women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it sells. Mm-hmm. And it just is what it is. They're kind of like those like influencer DJs or something? Exactly. Yeah. You get them. They get them in there. They're in those spaces. They're influencers. They bring people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is what, it, and then it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know some some good DJs who are, who are also women who probably may never be in those spaces, mm-hmm. right. you know, just because they aren't the kind of image that necessarily sells. Mm-hmm. People know that they are good DJs, but they may not be doing some of the things that the some of the other women in DJing are doing right now, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm just putting it mildly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But if you're if you're um, well, whether if you're a man or a woman, um, like, and you you mentioned you know marketing, what are some 
ways that you would go about marketing yourself to the community? To which community? So, for yeah. example, if mm -hmm. we're talking about big clubs, you yeah. know, it's 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 fashion, it's style, mm -hmm. it's you know, what are you wearing? Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's your brand. It's your, you know, do you have a website? You know, what are you doing? Are you on multiple streaming platforms? Mm -hmm. Are you on Twitch? Are you yes. on YouTube streaming? Um, what else? You know, just your brand in yes. general, your logo, everything stands out, your pictures, your photo shoots, all of those different things. You know, mm -hmm. you put together a promo package for yourself and get nice. it out there. So it depends. Now, if you are more the underground club type DJ, again, I think word of mouth and networking works yes. well for you. Mm -hmm. For um, for the streaming services, are a lot of DJs using Twitch? Because I always thought Twitch was just for gaming streaming. I have a funny story about Twitch. Um, Please do tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. So, it's funny. It's funny because I think back about how I think back on how long a lot of my friends told me to get involved with Twitch. Mm -hmm. I had friends years ago saying, you know, because I, you know, it's funny. This whole uh, COVID nineteen brought a lot of DJs to the streaming world. Mm -hmm. I initially was streaming sets from maybe 2016. Oh, really? Yeah, I would go oh. into clubs and put up my put up, you know, go on my Facebook live and mm -hmm. stream my sets. Nice. You know, DJ Scratch had um his his broad his radio Scratch uh Scratch Vision Radio. He's been doing it for 10 years. I'm you sorry, it's DJ Scratch. I mean, I, DJ I, Scratch I, yeah. is, I'm oh, sorry. So <laughs> DJ Scratch is the uh, former DJ of EPMD, um, but also global phenomenon in the hip-hop world. You okay. know? Um, he had Scratch Vision TV as early as 2009, maybe mm -hmm. 2010. Mm -hmm. So streaming was not new to DJs, but it wasn't at the scale it is now also, you yeah. know? Um, but 2016, 2017, I'd go into places, put up my phone, Facebook Live, and I'm mm -hmm. streaming. Mm -hmm. I had friends that asked me back then, dude, why don't you get on Twitch? And I'm like, and I went to Twitch, and I was looking at Twitch, and I was like, ah, this is corny. I don't want to do this. <laughs> it's right? just a bunch of gamers. So, it's just a bunch of gamers, right? <laughs> All right, so here it is, 2020, and Facebook and Instagram are kicking DJs off left and right. Really? For music rights. Oh, okay. All right. For music rights. They're like, nope. Midway into a stream, mm -mm. stream is flat. Mm -hmm. You know, Instagram um, was kicking DJs. Weren't kicking DJs off initially, but then they started kicking DJs off and then making right. exceptions for certain DJs. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, if, I don't I'm know if you're the big names. The big name, like yeah. D-Nice. So, for example, yeah. D-Nice went on, um, I remember, you know, his first... Um, Instagram thing, you know, was huge because he just went on and did this whole marathon DJing thing and everybody after that was like, oh, you know, the streaming thing is big now. And I'm mm -hmm. like, it's, well, we've kind of been doing it for a while, but okay, fine. You know, they'll yeah. give him the credit. And it's, it's not that he doesn't deserve it. He did a great job with his streams, but there were just people doing it before him. But fast forward, Instagram and Facebook are kicking people off and now DJs are looking for a new place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where Twitch came in. And so the DJs that hopped on it, you know, at the beginning of this year and started developing themselves on Twitch are doing great now. Great oh, for really? a large number of followers um, using the platform as um, um, to market themselves yes. and, mm. you know, to, to even profit from it mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there's a big music community on Twitch now. It's mm -hmm. huge. 
Yeah. They um yeah even when you click on to Twitch it'll tell you know they're like different categories and mm-hmm. music is a category now and it's not even just DJs it's DJs it's uh producers it's musicians everybody is using Twitch now okay wow. do you also use like other platforms like TikTok or I use I never gotten into I haven't gotten into the TikTok thing mm-hmm. I was using Instagram for a while I mostly stream to Twitch now I stream mm-hmm. to Twitch. Periscope. I recently uh, put my account on uh, Kakao TV. Oh, nice. And uh-huh. Africa. And <laughs> I have no idea who's out there watching me. I really don't. Like, I'm like, I, you know, hopefully I got some, you know, folks in Korea watching me, but uh, I have no idea because I haven't been able to really check the scenes. But Kakao uh, and Africa, yeah. Nice. But these platforms are also popular amongst, like, the expat DJ community as well as the Korean DJ community. Well. I, you know what? I really, to be honest, I don't know how much the Korean DJ community is using the online platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the DJs that I know don't talk much about streaming, mm-hmm. even in Korea. And I'm talking about foreign and Korean. Okay. Uh, most. I know a few that are ju- have jumped on Twitch, but mm-hmm. not many. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, in the, on the Korean side of things, how many of them are using the Kakao TVs, the Africa TV, mm-hmm. right. um, me, even YouTube. Mm-hmm. I don't see many. I know that um, they are using YouTube. Some mm-hmm. are using YouTube, but um, I'm not sure you, that it is huge like that. Do you also use Africa? I just started. Okay. I just started. I just added it. <laughs> sure. Nice. I mean, I mean, the more... You could expose yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just started, uh-huh. so I have, you know, I've I've streamed. I added them because I use um, a platform called Restream, and mm-hmm. Restream allows you to stream to Twitch, uh, YouTube, Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, well, Africa is there, so I was like, all right, I'll add them. You know, so I went in, created Africa TV, nice. created Kakao TV, so yeah. it's going, yeah. you know, when I do stream, it's going out to all of these platforms, right. but I just, you know, I don't have a huge presence myself on there. Mm-hmm. I try to focus mainly on Twitch, mm-hmm. nice. you know, but then, you know, these guys that really do it, they're, you know, they got like three screens, they're looking at, you know, who's watching me here, who's watching me there, and I'm just Holy like, cow. that's too much for me. I, it's enough for me to just focus yeah. on my DJing. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go yeah. back and look later. Yeah. Or, you know, I'll get some friends to tune in to the different channels and check them for right. me and see yeah. how they're looking. So. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine right now, with I mean, with COVID, that, I mean, for a DJ, a full-time DJ, I mean, the only revenue that you might be able to get is just online. Honestly, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's rough yeah. out here. You know, yeah. all the shut, yeah. shutdowns everywhere. Yeah. Um, most cities and most places, even in the States, like a lot of DJs are just not playing as much. Oh, right. I mean, what do they do? Stream. <laughs> stream. I mean, I guess that's the most ideal adaptation. Stream, right? make yeah. mixes. There's mm-hmm. always, you know, mix cloud. You know, again, I think this kind of separates. One thing I think COVID will do is kind of separate the people who are truly in it for the long haul from the people who are just playing around with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if they, you know, if you really love now, and even for myself. That's a struggle. I enjoy playing for people. Mm-hmm. So streaming sometimes for me is really a task, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because you just don't get the same amount of joy playing in your house yeah. <laughs> as you do playing for a room full of people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. really different for me. I enjoy the energy mm-hmm. right. from the people mm-hmm. sometimes. One thing you <laughs> might consider, um, I don't know if they still have this platform anymore, but... 
Um, well, I think there are variations of it, but uh, by any chance, do you guys remember Chat Roulette? No, yeah, never heard, I've, heard I've never it. heard of Chat Roulette. Chat Roulette was a uh, streaming platform, yeah. but you um, just get randomly matched with just another person who's on the platform and it could be anywhere in the world we had fun with that back in the day <laughs> yeah yeah what? unfortunately yeah. there was a lot of x-ray content as yeah. well so <laughs> you, it, it, it's, you, yeah. it's the luck of the draw basically yeah. is this like dark web type stuff here uh borderline yeah borderline oh. it could have been yeah. um but then they they started cracking down on that a lot but uh one of my friends uh he was also uh, he also dj'd a little bit and when he would do is that he would go on there and he would perform sets just to anyone he got matched with. And, I mean, some people liked it, some people didn't. But, like, what? the people who yeah. did, they got really into it. Yeah, Maybe I'll look into that. I, you yeah. know, honestly, DJing has brought me um, closer to technology, but there's still mm-hmm. a lot that, mm-hmm. you know, people are mm-hmm. always telling him, you doing this, do you know this, do you mm-hmm. know that? Even when I started streaming, mm-hmm. you know, again, I think I mentioned that when I would show up some places, I just, you know, click on the, the Facebook Live and just go. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more when you actually right. start streaming, like mm-hmm. OBS and, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with broadcasting, mm-hmm. you know, platforms mm-hmm. and multiple cameras mm-hmm. and multiple microphones. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, this is a lot. <laughs> it, took me, <laughs> it took me so yeah. long to uh, get my Twitch platform yeah. correct. So, And it's still... Not even as good as most people. <laughs> so, when when you're thinking about the progress that you've made in your DJing career, um, are there certain things that you can immediately uh, like see from your career and would be able to tell your younger self, like, "Hey, make sure you do this," or "Hey, don't make this a mistake." I know. I think marketing seems to be one big thing that you would tell your younger self to focus on. I would definitely tell my younger self to focus on marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I would tell myself to focus on marketing, but I would also, the the biggest message, if I I could send a message back to younger self, the biggest message I would send to younger self is to define who you want to be as a DJ. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'll find yourself in too many different spaces that Mm -hmm. you may not want to be in. If you want to be in those multiple rooms and Mm -hmm. you want to develop like that and grow, that's Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. But I would definitely tell myself to define who you want to be as a DJ Mm -hmm. and stick with it. So kind of along the same lines, even when you do find that kind of niche, um, as a DJ, when you're in the moment of performing, are you focusing on just you know what the music is for you or are you focusing on how people are responding to the music it's both for me okay it's always both for me Mm -hmm. um i love to see people move Mm -hmm. so i love to see people dance and it lets me know that i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing as a dj Mm -hmm. but at the same time i want audiences who are open to Mm -hmm. music Mm -hmm. and the reason I want those audiences is because DJing, it's easy to just play only what the audience mm-hmm. wants to hear. Mm-hmm. But DJs don't only do it for that reason. We mm-hmm. do it because we also have a love for specific types of music as well right. that mm-hmm. we want to get in and we want to expose people to. So for me, um, it's a lot of both. It's a, it's a, okay, are they moving to this? Will they move to this record if I play it? Mm-hmm. You know, sure. it's, it's a lot of analyzing the room you know with request 
<laughs> we get requests all the time. Do you guys yeah. actually take, I mean, for a DJ, I mean, I would imagine that would piss them off, to be honest. Requests are annoying. <laughs> however, however, not all requests are bad requests. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thing about it is, it's usually how you approach a DJ mm-hmm. that determines whether or not your request is annoying. You know, I get the, you know, you get the people who walk up to you with their bright phones and like, (laughs) you guys can't see me, you know, but I'm, you know, literally they're just sticking a camera in your face with, you know, they brought up their favorite song on YouTube and they're just like, you can play this record (laughs) and I'm like, okay, I'll get to it. And you know, they might be like, and you know, I may look at that request and say, you know what? Yeah. Give me some time. I'll get Mm -hmm. to that. I got you. Mm -hmm. But then you get the, the person that'll, that'll come up to you. And I'll give you an example. I was I was playing, and a girl came up to me, and the song was um, it was a Prince record. It was what did she ask me for? Um, when doves cry, is it? That's what it was. <laughs> it was when doves cry. And now, mind you, I have no problem playing when doves cry. Uh-huh. I love Prince, and yeah. I would surely play that record. But she walks up to me and she says. Can you play When Doves Cry? She shows me her phone. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. And she's like, now. Like, what? <laughs> and I'm looking at her like, excuse me? She's like, yeah, play it next. I'm like, What's that's not woman? how this works. <laughs> you know? And I'm, I'm showing her this big label we have. Like, So there's a label on the other side of, of the uh, computer screen that says DJs are not jukeboxes. Right? <laughs> and, I, and this is when I go into pointing mode. I'm just like. Here, look at that. <laughs> look at that right there. She's like, what? You know, but you can tell. Like, usually, it's usually the folks who have had one too many drinks already uh, okay. that yeah. are the most irate. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will make a request and just simply be like, you know, can I play this? I'll be like, okay, and then they'll walk away. But like, you get the ones that have had too much, and then they're just mm-hmm. like, oh, play it now. And, blah, blah, blah. and it's just the rudeness of it all that's just like. Ugh. Do you experience that, like, quite a bit? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I I do, but uh-huh. I don't. I it's kind of mixed. Yeah. I I would say that most of the rooms that I've played in, I don't get too many requests. Okay. But you do occasionally get the rude requester. I see. You know, the rude requester is, you know, we all hate the rude requester. It's just like go away. What's the what's the worst request that you ever gotten? Oh. It usually the worst worst in the terms of it just this record just doesn't go with this yeah room. It, like it turns a song selection oh man it's probably one too many to think of I'm trying <laughs> to think man I can't even think of one but you do occasionally get those where you're just like dude I'm not playing that <laughs> like oh, nah, man like that come on like no 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 that doesn't go with this room right now sure. um, I can't even think of one that's that that's bad like that but I'm sure I've gotten one in the past like, I mean I imagine it's just what it's those the those types of requests are just the ones that are just completely out of left field or something yeah it's just people liking a record and yeah. they automatically assume they should hear it in the club you yeah. know and right. this just doesn't work right <laughs> Mm-hmm. Not at least not right now. Yeah, I would say that any DJ who is good enough can make any, almost any mm-hmm. record work at some point during his set. Mm-hmm. But to think that we go from playing one type of record to playing, you know, this wildly different record, mm-hmm. you know, right behind each other, just isn't how it works. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think most DJs want people who make requests to know is that. 
you know, there's a method to this madness. You know, (laughs) it's not just, you know, one minute I'm playing, you know, a Cardi B. or Let's say, you know what, I'll, I'll go with extremes. You know, one minute I'm playing you know, a Michael Jackson record, and then you're like, play Cardi B. And I'm just like, nah, it doesn't, no, not really. I'll get there, but, you know, it doesn't work like that, right. you know, but they want it to work like that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it just doesn't. Yeah, It's their inner fantasy, I guess, that, yeah. that yeah. goes with the room. Well, everybody yeah. wants to hear their favorite yeah. songs in the club, right. and yeah. I, I totally get that, but sometimes exactly. you just got to wait for it. It'll happen. Yeah, sure. Now, now speaking about that method, um, going into a little bit more, I guess, of the technical details of how you DJ, like, are there certain things that you're focusing on, like, you know, the beats per minute for a song or like the, um, I, I don't know, tempo or like, you know, the pitch or, you know, those types of technical details? For me, it's the musicality of it. For me, the most important thing with putting records together is the key of it all. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can move across, you know, tempos and BPMs, Mm -hmm. that's fine. But a lot of times, and even with experienced DJs, I I experience this sometimes, is some records just don't go together, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. I'm not the type of dude that likes to force them. Mm-hmm. I feel like records should go together well. Yeah, yeah. you know, I I don't ever want to be the type of DJ that's just playing music for the sake of playing music. I want music to make sense when it comes together. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to move from this record to that record, and people be like, ah, oh, that was good. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I want to be like, ah, oh, that was good. Yeah. You know, and we have those moments. You know, where we take chances and take risk and. Um, I'll be in a club and I'll be like, you know, I'll try something. I'll try mm-hmm. something on the fly and I'll just be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that again. You know, <laughs> it happens. It happens and that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I think that 90% of your, your music, even when you take risks, should be things that sound good, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It, it shouldn't just feel like you threw two records together that just mm-hmm. don't go together. Yeah. And and DJs do do it. You know, mm-hmm. I've heard them like, yeah, I wouldn't have played that after that. You know, <laughs> DJs are also the worst critics, man. Like, uh, we yeah. go listen to other DJs and they're like, ah. You know, I'm sure there are DJs that come listen to me and they're like, ah. You know, it is what it is. We are, we are, we are critics. Do you also revert to LPs? Not here. Okay. Not here. Mm-hmm. Um, my record catalog is back in the States in storage. Mm-hmm. I've been paying that storage bill for like sure. six years. It's the worst. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but no, here I am, I use digital platforms, so I'm mm-hmm. a Serato user. Mm-hmm. Um, there are really about three or four platforms that DJs usually use. It's either Serato, Tractor, uh, Recordbox now, which mm-hmm. is a right. pioneer platform, mm-hmm. and lastly, I would say there are people who are using still Virtual DJ, which even though it gets a lot of slack, is actually not a bad platform. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, there are industry standards, and mm-hmm. so I think the industry standards for most now, for EDM DJs, I believe their industry standard is more Recordbox, mm-hmm. because they usually function on CDJs and they can, you know, take their USBs and plug them into the CDJs, which is, you know, more record box. Um, But for me, for vinyl users, I think more vinyl users use Serato than um, they use Tractor record box. Mm -hmm. And by vinyl, I mean just our time code vinyl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you're using, I guess, uh, going from like analog to digital, um, for, um, I guess... Uh, up to now in the DJ scene, is there a difference in the quality? Um, to the average listener, 
I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that the quality of your music matters. Mm-hmm. You know, um, most people like very good quality is at least three twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, what's three twenty? Uh, uh, so if we're talking about um, the the level that the music is recorded at. Mm-hmm. So for example, when you buy music on Apple, you have the Apple lossless files. Mm-hmm. These, of course, WAV files. Old school wave files mm-hmm. are probably compatible to your analog sound. It's mm-hmm. like full sound. It's mm-hmm. not compressed, mm-hmm. you know. But if you're going to compress, you want 320, which is the highest level mm-hmm. of compression that mm-hmm. you're going to get. Oh, is that the like the, the 320k? The that's 320k, the yeah, exactly. The file? Oh, exactly. I see. So that would be the best sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, 192. Really, I don't think too many people are using 128 anymore. 192, somewhere between 192 and 320 is good. Um, The analog thing for me is I don't totally miss it. As long as I have good good files of my music, Mm -hmm. I don't. It's not a big deal to Mm -hmm. me. Vinyl collectors will tell you something different, <laughs> um, and when I get and I get it, you know they're audio files, and I and I and I totally get it. But the average listener in a party is not going into a party like, oh, that record is not three twenty, that's totally one ninety two. They really can't hear the difference, man. Like honestly, they cannot hear the difference, you know. And so I don't truly think they care. The, now I can tell you that for me years ago the process of going from analog to digital was oh, it was a beast right. um, initially we were because we didn't really know what to do we didn't know where the industry was going at that time when mm-hmm. we started switching over to like digital files mm-hmm. and we had all of these records so now it's like what are we going to do so mm-hmm. DJs literally would burn vinyl mm-hmm. we'd put a, put a record on Put uh, put the needle on the record and record yeah. it, mm-hmm. you know, into you know different whatever we were using at the time, Audacity or yeah. um, whatever recording program we use. You literally to burn one record, you had to play a record. Yeah, so it was like a three minute process easily for each record, <laughs> and that was a process and a half. I yeah. do not miss that. And so then everything went to you know iTunes and yeah. Amazon I'm like I could have just waited and just bought the record again and I, you know it is what yeah. it is sure yeah, um, yeah I mean uh, I have a two parter um, so like how tight is the DJ community in Seoul and Korea and also like what are your personal aspirations of trying to like make it more tight knit make it more official <sighs> DJ community yeah the DJ community in some aspects is tight, but the DJ community is also very cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just is. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody is vying for the same spaces. Everybody yeah. wants to be in these spaces. Everybody wants to prove that they're deserving of being in these spaces. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I, I think you get a lot of, uh, you know, the cutthroat part of that in there you know i've walked into rooms and played with djs you know i play behind djs that'll go on and you know you're talking about a 90 minute set and play 100 records 
I'm like, why are you playing so many records, dude? Mm. It's only 90 minutes. Like, yeah. People are not even enjoying the music. You're playing it and cutting it off so short. Mm-hmm. Just to show what's in their catalog. Is, right. Hey, I'm that guy. That's less a minute. I mean, that's less than a minute for each song. Exactly. <laughs> less than a minute. Like, who really, like, where's the enjoyment in that? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that comes from, I've realized that that comes from a place of ego. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's the need to prove yourself either, either to the owners, to the next DJ that's coming on. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm just like, why? Like, <laughs> it's not about me. It's yeah. not about you. It's mm-hmm. really about the people, mm-hmm. you know, and it's great that you have a million records. We all do. You know, yeah. I have more records in my laptop than I can play in a night, mm-hmm. than I can play in probably a week. Mm-hmm. You can't play them all in one night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say, the de- to, you know, to get back to your question, there's a lot of, there's a cutthroat element to the DJ community. So I really don't know that it is as cohesive Mm. as it could be or if it will ever be cohesive in that sense. You know, the DJs who are cool with each other, we look out for each other. You know, the DJs like, hey man, I got a gig. Are you interested in doing this? Um, Can you play this space? So I think DJs that are cool with each other, we kind of look out for each other. But there's really, to me, there's not a cohesiveness in in the... are DJ you men- community? Are you mentoring anyone? Like any up and coming DJs? Right now, no, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, I was really proud. I had a friend of mine in the states. You know, she came to me. I remember this was like ten years ago, and she was like, "I want to learn how to DJ." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> everybody, because everybody says it. Everybody is like, "Oh, I want to yeah. learn how to DJ. I want to uh-huh. do this." Right. But she was the only person that I've ever worked with that was really about it and she's doing fantastic That's good to hear. now. Her name is Empress Ra and um she just she's doing amazing things and she's literally the only person because again everybody wants to do it until they actually have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, people ask me all the time they're like, "Oh, I want to learn how to DJ." And I'm like, "Okay, how much music do you have?" Mm-hmm. Do you have something that you can use? We're, we're, we're living in a time where it's a digital age. So mm-hmm. do you have a dedicated laptop? Mm-hmm. Do you have your own music? How much money are you willing to spend on or invest in yourself to get started right. doing this? Because mm-hmm. it's not just plug and play. Mm-hmm. you got to yes. have the tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I am honestly, no, I'm not mentoring anyone right now. I, did ha- I do have somebody who has asked me to mentor them. They want to learn. And we're going to see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to see. You nice. know, I've already mm-hmm. told them what they need to do to you know, get started and you know, we're going to see what they do to, you know, kind of follow through. Sure. And then any like uh the the last part of the question, like do you ever think about adopting like a leadership role of like trying to make this community a little more co- cohesive? <sighs> <laughs> I have so here's what I've found. I have in the past I've mm-hmm. worked with collectives of DJs. Yes. And usually they break down. They tend mm-hmm. to break down. At this point, at this time in my life with everything that I have going on, you know, it's not the most feasible thing for me to do. Okay. Maybe in the future. Sure. You know, if I had the amount of time mm-hmm. to put in it and you know, help people develop because there's so many different things that I feel like DJs, young and old, still need to learn about the business of it all that um, I wouldn't mind, you know, kind of taking on a leadership role um, or teaching younger DJs the things that are really important Mm -hmm. um, about this business. Mm -hmm. 
So maybe, but right now I would say it's it's I don't have the time mm-hmm. for it, so right. to speak. Yeah. Sure. One last question I have. No, sure. About, uh, well, how um, uh, how often is it that a DJ will just simply like hook up their hook up their phone and just play a pre, like a pre-recorded list of songs or a pre-recorded mix? You know what? Again, lanes. I know that happens. Yeah. But it honestly doesn't happen with the DJs that mm-hmm. I work with. Okay. Um, if you're doing that, it's usually because you got to take a bathroom break. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you put on, like, a, a nine or ten minute mix. It's like, yeah, I got to go to the bathroom. Move, move, move. Somebody clear. You know, something like that. But usually, honestly, the DJs that I've worked with and I've had the opportunity to work with, we are DJs who come out to play because we really love the craft of it. We mm-hmm. want to play yeah. records. We want to play music. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do us any good to just walk in a club and put on a mix. It's yeah. just like, man, you walk you and could, talk the to club th- owner could have done this. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> exactly. The club owner could have yeah. just put on a mix if yeah. that's what you want to do. Sure. However, now, um, you do hear the stories about some of the bigger name DJs and some of these, you know, some of the big club DJs who just walk in with a, with a mix on their USB Ooh. and just like plug them in and play. I again, that's not my circle, but yeah. you, I've heard the stories. If I was in the audience and I paid good money to see that DJ perform, I'd be furious. Well, you know, the thing is, you might not even know. <laughs> you might have been to some of these parties and not even know because you know we've we've entered the age of theatrics mm-hmm. with DJing. Yeah. So you ever walk into a club and and the DJ is just you know he's his head is bobbing. Yeah. He's he's got his hands going uh, and he's mm-hmm. he's yeah. turning buttons <laughs> and mixes and like yeah, yeah. He's like yeah he's turning this up and he's turning that down and and a lot of that is just theatrics uh, it is it's, it's, I've, I've now that I've experienced firsthand I've literally watched the DJ like dude what are you doing <laughs> like like you're not I'm watching the crowd doesn't know uh-huh. but I'm behind the DJ booth yeah. so I'm watching this kid mm-hmm. I'm just like you're not what are you doing like it's literally like if this was a button right here he'd just be like he just act like he was turning and I'm like why why are you doing it's unnecessary but you know the audience buys it though uh-huh. the audience yeah. does they're like <sighs> you know the audience is all you know wide open and loving it and I'm like nah yeah <laughs> theatrics man gotcha um so like pre-covid uh even covid and even in recent um like where would you usually, where would you perform? Like uh, these days, these days, yeah. These days, if we were open, um, living yeah. room and hustle probably. Living room and hustle. Living room and hustle. Mm-hmm. Uh, macaroni Funky Club gotcha. would be uh, probably my go tos. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, it's it's tough right now. You know, you you really want to play, and then it's just like, right. nah, mm-hmm. it's not safe. So <laughs> yeah. it is what it is. Any, but yeah, those would be my go tos. Sure. Any like. Uh, local targets that you want to go to? <sighs> local spaces. Not, yeah. You know, to be honest, those are the places that I am most comfortable playing. Um, I haven't played Brown. Um, maybe Brown. Um, slow. Was it Slow Music? I think it's yeah. uh, called Slow Music. Uh-huh. Um, had a couple partners that played there. They look like they have the sure. same, in that same lane yeah. of music. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it, man. Yeah. Uh, 
I'd I'd love for a new space to open up. I'd love for a new space to open up. Oh yeah, yeah, that was my question. Like any uh, other local targets that you want to like, uh, you know, Macaroni Funky is also local. That's yeah. what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I would I would love for someone to open up a new underground spot. You know, mm -hmm. that was catered to you know more yeah. eclectic. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. maybe eclectic or you know just deeper music. It could be house. It could be disco. Mm -hmm. It could be old school R and B. Yeah. You know, just less top forty oriented. Yeah. If you play at Brown, let me know. I'll, I'll go because uh, that'll be the first yeah. time. I've always been curious about what that place is really like. I, you yeah. know, I've been in. I think I've been into. I've been in Brown maybe once. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I know some DJs that have played there, but um, I haven't. You know, things are really quiet right now, so I don't even know how yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Well. The least we could do right now is follow you on Twitch. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Please, <laughs> DJ Sean Soul yeah, on Twitch. Sure. We'll have sure. it. We'll have all your links in the show notes. Uh, Everyone will be able to check it out. Awesome. Listen, yeah. I would love. You know, that is something I was telling um a few of the Twitch DJs because I will. You know what? Going back to this community DJ question right. that you asked, mm -hmm. the one place that I have found a DJ community on is Twitch. It's interesting. A mm -hmm. lot of DJs are willing to help each other. Mm -hmm. right. We have learned from each other just setting up our, our backgrounds and our yeah. screens mm -hmm. and so many things. There is definitely a community on Twitch. And they're based anywhere. Yeah. yeah. You mm -hmm. know, I'm playing with guys. You know, it's funny. We did a Twitch marathon a few weeks ago, and I'm playing with guys who are, like, based in Arizona and Florida. So oh, we're cool. all on different mm -hmm. time zones. Mm -hmm. So they're like, you know, that's Sean, awesome. can you play at 11 p.m.? And I'm like, okay, that's one 1 a.m., 1 p.m. the next day for us, you know, gotta, you know, wake up and, oh, you know, man, do the my coordination. Thing. Yeah, because, you know, the time zone changes. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there is a definitely a community there. So I would like for more um, people in Korea mm -hmm. to hop on and, and follow some of these DJs that are doing great because mm -hmm. I don't see the Korean community mm -hmm. on Twitch outside of gaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Outside of gaming, so yeah. I would like them to, you know, know that there's a, you know, there's a music side to this thing on Twitch now too.
Hope you enjoyed our session. For more on Sean's professional social media platforms like Twitch and Instagram, we've added the link to this episode's description. And as always, be sure to like and subscribe to our channel for more exciting guest appearances to our upcoming content. Until then, take care.